you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Eric the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. I'm glad you came back. Well, yeah, of course. I heard you. Mondays. I heard it. I listened. Oh, did? did oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You kind of say it like you're better than I am. <laughs> no, no. You kind of say it like, I, hey, it, I listened. You know, kind of like you have a little, you have a little thing uh, kind of behind it. Huh? Or I could just be sensitive. Yeah. I mean, that, I don't that, know. That's, I don't, yeah, it might be a little bit of that. It. It's probably it. just a little. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. Yeah. Anyways, right. uh, welcome back. It's great to be back with you. Yes. Uh, I really did miss you sincerely. Oh, look uh, at that. You were, you were, you were away like almost all day yesterday, Well, which yeah. is not usual because normally, you know, there's text messaging or there's calls or there's emails or there's some, some point of contact. Right. That reminds me of your greatness, <laughs> and and then but I didn't get any of that yesterday, and so it was very crazy. strange. It was very very strange, <laughs> and uh, and your offspring felt it as well. They were like, ah, oh, this is weird. Well, it's good know, to be just, missed, you know. Like, no, I mean, I'm glad yeah, they didn't say, yeah. oh, you know, like it was just another day, you know. <laughs> oh no, it was far from that. <laughs> it was absolutely far from that. Anyways, um, but today I was hoping that we could do a part two. On the topic yesterday, uh, yesterday, family first in every way is the only way. Mm. And I'm hoping that we can kind of pick up here and uh, drill down just a little bit deeper because I I, I believe that um, the vast majority of people who listen to this program mm-hmm. get where we're coming from. And, yeah. and I believe that people see it. I think they understand what's going on in culture. But I still think that there's still uh, some convincing to do um, just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for us to get back to God's intent, God's design, and his wisdom. We experience, um, man, I don't even know if you can number the blessings that we experience because of just submitting to God's wisdom. Like just, you know, and this seems very basic, but mm. saying, God, you're wise. Yeah. I will follow your rules. Amen. Like, I mean, it's, it's so basic, but there is a blessing for us in being able to do that, and far too often we don't do that. Yes. Um, but before we get into the show um, or into the program, Guys, look, you know me, all right? You know what I mean. Be free. You know what I, you know what I mean. Everybody okay. knows what you mean. I mean, come on. And you know that We're I not doing this to for be performative. Yeah. Uh, right, right. It's just that's, it's, you know, the show lineup. Like broadcast. that's just It's just, you know, know broadcast. Um, anyway, but it's also a podcast. So so there's that. The thing is, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have some announcements. Man, we have announcements. I made, you know, I actually made announcements yesterday. I know, I heard it. You got to hear that. You heard yeah, the, but yeah. see, uh-huh. I'm slipping once again. I don't have my papers. But look, that's uh, okay. I got you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, go oh, ahead. You got papers? Okay. I don't have papers. Uh, but again, I'm not a pet. I don't know. All right. Um, <laughs> so email us, <laughs> addisons at afr.net. Addisons at afr.net. Also follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can watch the broadcast live right now on Facebook. Uh, but mm-hmm. also follow us on, on YouTube and, and, and uh, just search Airing the Addisons. And look, from time to time, on our Facebook page, Airing the Addisons, we have these Addison 
children's challenge. Yeah. We, we've had two of them. And mm-hmm. so they're pretty funny. I, I, I man, I went back mm-hmm. and watched the one from the other day. Yeah, today yeah. I was like Sunday and I, night. I and think and I was, was laughing. I was like, man, this is funny. Um, <laughs> or was huh? it Sunday night or Saturday night? I can't remember when we. I think Sunday night. Uh, Sunday, Sunday night, night I, I believe we did it. But it's, a, uh, it's, it's pretty a, funny. It's, for now, it's a, it's been a food challenge. Yes. They've all been food challenges. Yes. To get our kids to consume things <laughs> that they have not consumed before. Right. And to get their real time reaction to those things. And, uh, yeah. And you're able to see it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's pretty funny. It's, it's pretty funny. But anyway, so from time to time on our uh, Erin Addison's Facebook page, we'll go live and we'll do a challenge. And so you might want to check that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, also, we have our date night coming up next week. Next week. On the, it's nothing no, like keeping your calendar fresh, huh? Like on nothing like keeping your calendar fresh on, <laughs> yeah. uh, like on live radio. Yeah, being reminded of what your schedule is. Like, oh, so you can't. That's next week, is it? Okay, next good. Next week, November. Because in my mind, it was just November 9th. I know. I don't. I don't usually it connect dates November to like 9th. it's here. You know what I mean? Like your November 9th is so far down the line. Yeah. But here you are saying it's next week. That's here a horse of a different color. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's happening. Next week in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, you can go to marriagefamilylife.net to get the details about that and to register. I think you can still register. Jay didn't give me the, um, you know, stop, stop, you know. So I know, I'm I saying that you can, yeah. yeah, you can go and register. It's going to be a great time. This is our last date night, final one. Mm-hmm. And so if you um, uh, missed any of them and you're close to this area, please come, come out, register, and uh, we hope to see you there. Um, what else am I missing, Miki? Um, online streaming platform yes. is, is um, available right to now. our listeners and supporters because we are not going to be canceled anymore. No, yeah. And uh, we're going to continue to build this yes. to get information to our listeners, encouragement to our listeners um, without apology. And this, again, it's, it's you know, it's, it's 21st century needed. America's ownership of the microphone. That's right. It's, it is very similar to what Brother Don did with the start of American Family Radio. Mm. And so now we're saying, you know, online streaming is important. It's just basically, a, a, I would say it's a daily part mm. of our lives. Yeah. Uh, and so we need to be where where the public square is, yeah. if you will. You yeah. know what I mean? We need, to, we need to be able to get into or go to Areopagus. Like we need to be, we need to be no, there, right. you know, where are people talking? Where's the, where's the conversation happening? What are they talking about? Um, we need to be there. And even if we're called babblers, at least they will have heard what we have to say. Mm. And so part of the way that we do that um, is by um, owning our own streaming platform yes. and, and not having to worry that things will be pulled one day or pulled, you know, in, in a few days because, um, there was a silencing of the Christians in this country. Mm-hmm. Really? It's interesting. Um, There's there's certain people. There's certain people that I will not mention as a comrade, and meaning that. I, um, <laughs> let me just say this: It's not only the Christians who are being silenced. It's anyone who has any kind of absolute sane thought, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Based based <laughs> based in the knowledge of God that He exists and that He has determined right and wrong. However, as soon as you start clapping for those people, <laughs> you realize, ah, and then look what else they said. You right, know what I mean? And so right. you can't, 
anyway, there's a person right now who is making his rounds in like the conservative circles. At least all the conservative headlines are shouting his name because of what he's saying. And he's saying some pretty good stuff. But I just can't I can't be like, yes, you're our champion. Like, no. Mm. <laughs> you know Man, what I mean? So, do you know? Okay. No, I'm missing. Do you know who I'm, I'm talking I about? I don't know who you're talking about, but I have to. you do. We've talked about him. But the recent thing, whatever's happening now, we've talked about, like what he's, whoever this is, have we? We can talk about it during the Because <laughs> I, I mean, look, yeah. Anyways, anyway, um, I always think we have to be careful. That's what I'm trying to do yeah. is because we are very careful um, with the people that we commend to the people that we listen to. Right. We, we, we take this be. very seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm not quick to just throw out people's names. This is sometimes people are saying really good stuff. But if you go searching for them, you know, you find some of their not so good stuff. Yeah, that's what you got to be careful. And then and then you found yourself offending members of the body of Christ. Right. And, you and don't so anyway, do that. Yeah. try not to do that. Yeah. Uh, but lastly, we have the National Collection Week uh, coming up uh, for Operation Christmas Child, November 22nd, uh, now through November 22nd. And so... Um, this is a great opportunity. Our family takes this opportunity to stuff the boxes and uh, send them off. It's always a good time. And, and man, I would recommend that you, if you can, you know, get you the, the boxes and, and stuff them. Go, go as a family and, and pick out some items. And they give you a kind of an idea of what to put in them. Uh, but get some items and, and send them to bless someone who you will yeah. never meet probably. And, yeah. uh, you know, with the love of Christ. And, for more information about that, you can go to uh, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. But it's just a great thing, and we've made it like a tradition <laughs> to mm-hmm. do so. so it has to happen. It's awesome. It has to happen. I, I think if uh, we probably, if we would go a year and not stuff shoeboxes, I think we might get questions. <laughs> it might be. Kids, now, I'll yeah, tell you, it, it might like, be oh, after the fact, yeah. but they might be like, wait a minute. We why didn't, didn't we? Like, yeah, yeah at, at some happened? point it's going to register for them that that didn't happen. So right. anyways, uh, great, great tradition to, to form with family. Yes. OK. Speaking of family, this is a great segue. Um, family first in every way is the only way I'm going to keep saying that I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep sharing the information, um, trying to stir the family, stir the family and remind us of what it is that God has given us in his, in his infinite wisdom. Mm-hmm. And somehow we get to this place where we can be so, um, we can be so surrounded by the culture and mm. so immersed in whatever the culture is at that time saturated in. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to personify the culture as if it's not made up of people, but we understand that the majority of the people determine the tone and the tenor of the culture, mm. like where they are, their convictions, what they are moving toward that kind of shapes the culture. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you think about the responsibility that was the Christians to be salt and light, like the Lord has really tasked us with shaping a culture of sorts. And so you would, you would imagine that if you've got mass numbers of Christians, if you've got people coming to Christ, that that should shape a culture, that should change a culture that, and we've seen that in the history of the church. Um, however, however, uh, with great blessing and great security mm-hmm. has come um, great apathy. Yeah. And so we have Man. no longer been in the position to shape culture or even, can I say this, you know, We've not been in the, we've not been willing to be in a position to aggravate culture. Yeah, like we, we we've actually you, given that over. 
Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I don't know. It seemed like for a period of time, there's, it wasn't even a trying or a, a understanding that we are supposed to be salt and light. Yeah. You know, that we are not to wholesale, just allow the the uh, agendas and ways of the world to come inside of the, the body of Christ, yeah. but that we are supposed to be the change agents, you know, yeah. and we've given yeah. that over. Like, this is who we are, you know, yeah. in our in our DNA as Christians, we are mm-hmm. ones who make gains, you know, but yep. it seemed like uh, they've been gaining on us yeah, <laughs> or making just... gains on us, you know. We've given it up. We've yeah. given it up. And one of the things that I observe about the way the Lord um, spreads the gospel is that he spreads the gospel through families, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. almost like the spread of the gospel and even the health. Like if you if you go before the proliferation of the gospel, right? Um, so before the church age, if you will, you look at even a healthy culture or a healthy society presumes that the foundation is intact and the foundation is family mm. in every society. Like you, it is family. Mm. Um, but then you add to that the proliferation of the gospel and the spread of the gospel actually depends and anticipates depends. I'm using loosely, but anticipates that there will be a family structure intact that now you don't just have, addition when you talk about the kingdom of God. You don't have addition when you talk about the gospel um, or converts, if you will, or making disciples. Now you have multiplication Mm. because when the gospel comes to a family, um, you don't have just the one person who is exposed to the gospel, Mm. right? Now you've got an entire unit that is exposed to the gospel. And interestingly enough, when you look at the scriptures, you actually see the Lord at work in the gospel coming to those entire families, like right there in that moment, the gospel coming to those families. And that's one of the things that I wanted to highlight. And then I want to take a look at an article because we're always looking at, okay, what are the current events? What's happening in real time? And then how does the Bible teach us to understand this? How does the Bible teach us to understand this? Which, by the way, I, I think that a biblical worldview is sort of like a sandwich. Okay. Not just saying this because it's near lunchtime. I'm saying <laughs> that a biblical worldview is sort of like a sandwich. So one slice of the bread is that you come to the scriptures and the scriptures shape you. Right. You conform to the word of God. So the scriptures are shaping you. Then you have the culture that you live in. That's kind of like the filling. Right. You have the culture that you're living in that you're kind of navigating. And then you go back to the other piece of bread on the other side of that is now applying that first piece. Right. So now you have the opportunity to live out what you see happening in the culture. Mm. And I think, unfortunately, what happens is people don't have that other piece of bread. Mm. So I guess in the business, they call that an open face sandwich. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Which to me is not a sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's not a sandwich. Right. Uh, anyway, all right, we'll unpack this a little bit more. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. Oh my God, it's a miracle. I hear you speaking to me, Lord. It's a stereo. I'm trying to change and I know I got a ways to go. New things, new things, gotta let it go. I see the past looking at me, I'm like, next. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Flame with Next. So we're talking about um, family first in every way is the only way. Like, Mm. for everything, like, um, insert problem here, uh, take a look at culture here. Uh, The the, uh, fortification of the family 
is the only um, way that we kind of come out of this. And and let me just say that this assumes that you are fortifying your family with a robust presentation of the gospel and discipleship. Mm. So when I say that, I don't want you to look at, oh, I'm just going to do better. I'm going to spend more quality time with my family. Like I, I think that we have had those kinds of admonitions and people have done them. Um, but just from a humanist perspective, like in their own human effort, it's, I'm just going to do better. We're going to, we're going to read more together. We're going to sit down and talk together. And and these things are not bad, but please understand that the strong implication uh, to everything that we're talking about today is the presentation of the gospel and discipleship and, and, and understand that that necessarily changes the culture. Yeah. It changed our culture until it didn't, (laughs) until they weren't doing it right. Like until it stopped and then you felt the the effects of it. And it took a little while um, for us to kind of catch up to what we were actually experiencing but this is what we're experiencing. So so let's look at some biblical examples, right, um, to kind of um, underscore the point that we're making, that that the, the gospel anticipates um, its spread through the family first. Guys, it is it has been a great deception mm-hmm. that we have been, we have chosen to believe, I'm very careful, we have chosen to believe that our greatest work and our most impactful ministry happens outside of the four walls of our home. Right. Guys, this is a shame. This is, this is to our own detriment. We are now, um, whether we like it or not reaping from this erroneous thought that Mm. what we do outside of our family is way more important than what happens inside of our family. Mm. Uh, the Bible makes a case for the importance of the proliferation of the gospel and family. I want to point to three instances in Acts chapter two Here you have the day of Pentecost where you have uh, Peter who stands up and preaches his sermon. And what what happens when um, when they hear Peter preaching um, as a result of the Holy Spirit descending and coming to the church as was promised. Right. And um, he's got to let people know, hey, uh, they've not been drinking. It's just 9 a.m. What you see happening here is what the Lord God promised would happen. And then in Acts, excuse me, Acts chapter two. I'm going to start at uh, verse 37. So after Peter is preaching, um, the Bible says, now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit Mm. for the promise is for you and for your children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Wow. So it's for you. Mm-hmm. It's for your children. The children are not neglected. They're not overlooked here. Right. And for everyone who is far off that the Lord our God will call to himself or calls to himself. But somehow we have removed that second plank, if mm. you will, from the promise, it, it, you know. We've said, we've said, no, I've got to go here. I've got to do this. Like, th- you know, and, and then and then in some ways we think the quote unquote, the church, which we have erroneously believed that that is just a building. <laughs> but here we are. We we are the Lord's bride. We mm-hmm. are the church. We mm-hmm. are the called out ones. That's right. But we've believed that the collection or the, the gathering, right. the community of the saints is where the greatest work is supposed to happen. So Actually, we, yeah. that's where the equipping comes in. And when you think that way, that's where all of the um, attention goes. You know, yes. it yes. goes to buildings and to, you know, what we're going to do here and what's done in this place rather mm-hmm. than what's done in our homes, what was done in, uh, at our jobs is 
all the attention and focus goes in on the building as the place of ministry. And isn't it interesting, like, so when you read the scriptures, right, and this presumes that everybody's reading the scriptures. So when you read the scriptures, it's amazing to me that you have two of these sort of like seminal events where um, first it's the day of Pentecost. So it's the Holy Spirit coming to the church Mm. and Peter is preaching. Mm. And at this moment, Peter says this promise is for you and for your children. So you've got a family structure in mind here. It's for you and your children. And for those who are far off that the Lord, your God will call. So it's for you and your children. So you've got in your mind here a family. This is one crucial event in the history of the church. There's another crucial event, critical event Mm. in the history of the church Mm -hmm. where, again, the family is present. This is in Acts chapter 10 Mm -hmm. when the gospel comes to the Gentiles. You guys remember Cornelius? Yes. (laughs) Cornelius, who's been um, doing good, giving to the poor, like his offering has come up to the Lord and the angel of the Lord comes to visit him or an angel of the Lord comes to visit him and and says, you got to go. You got to send to Joppa for Peter. Mm-hmm. All right. Peter's going to tell you something. So so meanwhile, back at the ranch, Joppa, meanwhile, back in <laughs> Joppa, Peter's up on the roof and he has this vision where you got all these unclean animals coming down, marching down. The Lord's like killing Eden. Peter's like, no, I mean, it's Peter. Right. We kind of are used to him. Right. From the Gospels. OK, so it's Peter. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm not. I've never I've never I won't. I can't like don't call unclean what I call clean. Mm. So Peter's kind of perplexed about this. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10. Peter's kind of perplexed. But then the men. They make their way to Joppa and they're like, we're looking for Peter. I'm just, you know, right. We're looking for Peter. So they find Peter and and, and they're like, hey, um, you have to come with us. We've been Mm. sent to get you. You've got You got to come back to Caesarea with us. And so they do. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, I was thinking about how the Bible is so clear that Peter, Peter is at Joppa. And I remember us looking on the map and seeing what Joppa was. Yes. And just saying how it's on like on the coast, like it's, you know, uh-huh. and, and it will make sense that Peter would be there, you know, like yeah. <laughs> with yeah. I'm just saying with his trade and what he did. Yes, you know? absolutely. So all that just it's just the Bible. It's just, you know, maps. It's clear. You know, maps, it's just, maps, maps count, right? too. So they anyway. do right from from the table of contents <laughs> to maps. Um, so go so ahead. so there they go. They, they make their way to Joppa and they, they get they collect Peter mm-hmm. and Peter goes back with them. But here is what's interesting. And again, remember, the context here is talking about family and what God does through the family, how the gospel spreads, the gospel proliferates through the family. So in Acts chapter 10, verse 23, mm-hmm. Peter shows up. He's 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 at Cornelius's house. But it's not just Cornel- <laughs> it's not just Cornelius there. He got his people. Cornelius has his family there on, and some friends, bring the Bible people. says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I try to like, word. man, I am so animated, you know, and praise the Lord. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that we have this gift of imagination, which I have a whole thought about the imagination of thought. I have a whole thought about the multifaceted use of the imagination that God has given us. Mm-hmm. This is a gift that God has given us to be able to see things that are not material. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you think about <laughs> it, but that's not for today. So let me say this. I try to get a picture of this, that Cornelius, there was something um, in Cornelius that he knew, Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, he had an this expectation. Is big. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I would imagine if an angel comes to visit me oh. and, and t- I would imagine that something's going to be something bi- like you're big. about to hear something. Something's big. <laughs> That's going to be life changing. It's coming up the pike, right? <laughs> right. And right. And so, so Peter shows up, and not only is Cornelius there, but Cornelius is there with his family mm. and some of his friends. Okay. And so, Man. look at what happens. Um, he he invited them in. 
Well, mm-hmm. this is the end of the men coming to talk to Peter. Mm-hmm. So this is verse 23. So it's a weird pickup. So I got to pick up with the end of 23 so that I can continue on. Okay. So Peter invites the men in and the men tell him, basically, you have to come with us back to Caesarea. The next day, this is the second half of 23. Mm-hmm. The next day he, he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Verse 25, when Peter entered Cornelius, Cornelius, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Mm. But Peter lifted him up saying, Mm -hmm. stand up. I too am a man. (laughs) And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. I, I just, this is not a small gathering of people. Notice that the Bible kind of reiterates this for you. Yeah. All right. So this is not a small gathering of people. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So the Bible continues on. And what happens is that Peter preaches the gospel. Mm -hmm. Peter preaches the gospel to Cornelius and to his family. And then in verse 44, as you continue Mm. reading, the Bible says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all. And I Mm. circle that in my Bible. All who heard the word. Mm. Amazing. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Now, so Cornelius is there with his family. Yeah. He is there with his family and his friends are gathered. It's not a small number of people. But the gospel spreads through this family. And it's, it's amazing. Like you tell my imagination, I'm thinking, well, we don't have to imagine this because the, the scripture says it. But yes. thinking about Cornelius being a centurion, thinking about Peter walking in and him bowing down and worship. Like, I, I think Cornelius understood what Peter said, said after after that, that I'm, look, yes. I'm just a man. And then he went on into, you know, we're not even supposed to associate with I think Cornelius knew this. He was like, man, yes. I know. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. I know this. Like his his whole yes. approach was humility. Like, you Come know, on. and man, God had a, a tremendous blessing for him and for us. And for us. Amen. <laughs> and for us. And then okay, so then the spread of the gospel or the proliferation of the gospel continues in Acts chapter 16. Mm-hmm. Acts chapter 16 verses 1 through 5. So you meet this family and I think sometimes, you know, we could be kind of tempted to overlook this, mm. but you meet this family here where you've got um a Jewish you've got a convert, you've got a follower of the Lord, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Timothy. Mm-hmm. But Timothy comes from what we would consider today sort of like kind of a messed up family, right? Mm-hmm. Because his mom is a believer. Yes. But his dad is a Greek. Yeah. His dad is not a believer. Mm-hmm. So then then you you fast forward, you look at Paul's letter. How does Paul encourage Timothy in his second letter? He reminds him of the truth that has been presented to him, the sincere faith mm-hmm. that first dwelt in his grandmother, Lois, mm-hmm. and in his mother, Eunice, mm-hmm. the family. So you see the family being pivotal, even though this family, right, it's, it's not ideal that you would have one who's a believer and one who's not. But look at what God shows. Guys, I'm telling you, there's nothing extra in Scripture. Mm-hmm. All of it God has given us to train us. All of it God has given us that we might know and understand these things. Look, you don't have to guess. You don't have to guess. So it doesn't matter. You look at your family structure and you say, man, this is not ideal. This is not, man, I, I didn't mm. intend for it to be this way. Mm. But look at the mercy of God. Look at what God does. Again, watch, through family. Yeah. Through family. 
If you continue in chapter 16, it's really interesting because then you have the uh, you have the Philippian jailer. Mm hmm. Right. So you've got the Philippian jailer who you remember Paul and Silas praying and singing praises. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden the jail is shaken. The Philippian <laughs> jailer goes in there to die. Right. He goes in there to take his life because he he just assumes that the prisoners are all gone. Mm. And, and Peter's uh, Paul is like, nope, we're here. So what happens? This Philippian jailer is like, what must I do to be saved? Mm-hmm. What must I do? And Paul and Silas go back to his home. Go back to his home. And what is the expectation? The expectation is that they will hear the gospel. Not only will the Philippian jailer come to faith in Christ, but his family, his Mm. family comes to faith in Christ. And there's some people who have looked at this and they've kind of stumbled on it, you know, because they've thought that, oh, wait, is this just because the husband is saved that the family is saved? No, because the Bible very clearly says that they heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. He goes to the Philippian jailer's house or they go to the Philippian jailer's house and they heard the gospel. So the presumption is that the family is gathered there and that the family has the opportunity to hear the gospel. They do. And their lives are forever changed. Mm. What have we done in the United States of America? Like what what have we done with our comfort and what have we done with our traditions we have continued, I would say, generation after generation, we've made just less and less and less of the family. And I'm going to make my case for that. You remember um, Barna did some research on Generation Z. And Generation Z was asked a question. This was 2018 research on Gen Z. They were asked the question, my blank is very important to my sense of self. And they were given, given several options. So my, this is very important to my sense of self, all right? And you get to choose. Number one on their list, and I alluded to this yesterday, but I kind of want to drill down just a little bit. The first thing that they chose as being very important to their sense of self, this is Gen Z, their professional or educational attainment. Number two, important to their sense of self, their hobbies and their pastimes. Number three, their gender identity. Number four, their group of friends. Mm. And number five, important to their sense of self, their family or their background, their upbringing. (laughs) Number five. Wow. Number six was religion or religious beliefs. (laughs) Even after family, their religious (laughs) conviction. No other generation, no other generation ranks family as low as Gen Z does. In fact, generations prior to Gen Z, so this is going to be the millennials, this is going to be the Xers, the boomers, and I want to say the silent generation. Am, Am I right about that? Before the greatest, boomers. Um, yeah. I forget. Oh, I have it here. I have my chart right here in front of me. <laughs> so I have the boomers. I'm sorry. I should be, I should just look at my notes. I have Gen Z, the millennials, Gen X, and then the boomers. So that's, that's who we tracked in mm-hmm. this particular chart. And none of them rank family as low as generation Z. Mm. So the question then becomes what has happened in the family and what is this fight really over? Because if the culture is going in the direction that the up and coming generation is going in, then there's no value and there's no regard for the family. The question is, is this what has been emulated? Is this what has been modeled for this generation? Mm. And and I would say, yes. If you look at what we have said to our kids that this is important. Yeah. It's not been family. It's been the doing and the going. 
It's been education, get an education. And careers and yeah. Be comfortable. Mm. Live the American dream. Mm. What are you doing? What sports are you involved in? So there you go. Your hobbies and your pastimes. Mm. Even commending our kids to their friends has proven to be our undoing as wow. parents because now they value what the friends say mm. more than what the parents say. Wow. So how do we turn this around? We've got to get back mm -hmm. to what God initially told us is that the family is important. Amen. So much so even the gospel proliferates through the family. We'll be right back. Have your way, Lord, have your way. This with all my heart, I say. In your love, I'm trusting that. When I was nine years old, my parents separated and then divorced. When I was 15, I announced to my mother that I no longer would go to church. Mm. Apparently, in doing so, I was living out a common phenomenon. As marriage declines, so does religious belief. John Van Epp and J.P. DeGantz point out in their new book, Endgame, the church's strategic move to save family, I'm sorry, to save faith and family in America. This is not merely a psychological issue, the authors argue, but a deeply spiritual one. That's the beginning of some commentary from mm. Catherine Gorka, who's director of the Center for Civil Society and the American Dialogue at the Heritage Foundation, um, the Heritage Foundation's Fulner Institute. Mm. I was reading this article today and I just thought, man, this is exactly what like, you know, to me, when I when I read things like this, I kind of I, I see it as a confirmation that um, the Lord is not only revealing this to a few people, right? <laughs> like, I mean, this is this is being revealed that we are we are starting to experience, and to, it's undeniable that the attack on the family has been a strategic one. Mm -hmm. The attack on the family has been a strategic one. Yes, if you can wrestle away from the family the proliferation of the gospel you wrestle away from the family even the value of the family itself then you can do your greatest work you can do your greatest and let me uh give a stipulation here destructive work <laughs> by destroying the family i want to go back to this article and then um i'll well let me give the number so we can start getting some calls queued up to get your take on this 888-589-8840 888-589-8840 Back to this commentary here uh, written by Catherine Gorka it says marriage is central to both the Christian and Jewish faiths. Scripture begins with the marriage of Adam and Eve and ends with the marriage, <clears throat> excuse me, of Christ and his bride, the church. In the Old Testament, marriage is used repeatedly to symbolize God's love for his people, the Jews. In the New Testament, marriage is a symbol of Christ's relationship with the church Paul in Ephesians 5:25 commands husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Yet the majority of churches in the United States seem to believe that the work of building and maintaining healthy marriages is best left outside the church. Mm. The authors of Endgame estimate that churches spend as much as 4 billion to 6 billion dollars on youth ministry but spend only a fraction of that on marriage or relationship ministry. Wow. 
Three wow. out of four churches do not provide relationship classes or resources for married couples. And more than 90% of churches do not offer a ministry for single adults. At the same time, the number of Americans who say they belong to a religious body has dropped precipitously in the past 20 years alone from 70% in 2000 to 47% today. That's the number of Americans who say they belong to a religious body. 70% of Americans in 2000, 47% of Americans today. Hmm. And the fight for family, for faith and family in America, we have reached the end game. I want you to think about this. Think about how important the family is. Think about what we are doing when we are laboring to train our children. Look, I'm going to, there was another article and I was like, eh, you know, do I even, do I even talk about it? But, but because of the t- <laughs> let me just say this, mm-hmm. the kinds of articles that I could draw in to show what our culture wants to do to our children abound. Mm-hmm. There's no limit. It's just the only question that I have to ask is which one, which one do I pick? Which which story do I pick to illustrate my point that there is a war on our children? There is an attack on the authority of parents, therefore, by extension, an attack on the children. They're gone are the days where moms stand between their kids in danger, because now if moms and dads stand between their kids and danger, what happens is authorities come after the moms and dads. And say, how dare you? Right. Who do you think you are? Right. This cannot be anything other than a signal to us that we are useless in culture. Like there's there is no use for the parent. The parent is simply a prop. The the parent just foots the bill. Right. Until Mm -hmm. until we're ready to take full care of the kids. It's it's you're a space holder. Come on. But that is not what God has intended. No. God has intended that the gospel would proliferate in the family. That children would come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that in the context of the family, they would be discipled. And yes, there would be a community of believers, but those community, that community would not replace the parent. It would not be the parent, spiritually speaking. No, no. The parent is the parent. And God did this in his infinite wisdom. Let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? Let me just say this before we go to the calls. If, you know, we go to churches and talk about marriage and family. I'm talking yes. about me and you. Yes. And yeah, I want to make that recently. available that if people would like for us to come, you know, and we can work things out. But at Addison's at uh, AFR.net, Addison's at AFR.net, we would love to, to come to encourage marriages, you know, um, because and families and families and the rearing of children and the children and like grandparents everybody and all of it guys because i'm telling you it yeah, yeah, it's necessary sorry, no no i'm just saying <laughs> yes, it's necessary that's right, that's right we see this as a part of the ministry that god has uh given to us you know to be able to encourage the body of christ in this way because we see the attacks that are happening taking place on marriages on families on the children you know and man god is look if if you want someone to stand with you, we are willing to do that. Uh, we'll just, tell the truth. We'll tell yes. I, I will yes. tell you. I will tell you. Um, one of the things I have to say, and, then, and we'll go to the phone lines here. We're not cutting corners in revealing to you what is going on in the culture. 
Right. And I'm getting the feedback from our most recent missionary journey to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And um, it was an eye opening experience for so many people. So many believers said they had no idea what's going on. And that's what we unpack. We unpack what's going on in the culture and how we best respond to it. We look at the data. What does the data tell us about our youth today? Where are they? What are they thinking? What what are they saying about themselves? And then how do we who have the truth, we who are salt and light, how do we respond to that? Um, it's important. We can't do any less than that because we have a culture that's always working. Mm-hmm. We have a culture that's always working. And, and yet, you know, we as Christians, um, we're not. We're not always working. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the great. Where do we go? All right. Let's go to Scott. In uh, Mississippi. Hi, Scott. Hello, Scott. Are you there? Are you on mute? Maybe not. Maybe we don't have Scott. Maybe not Scott. (laughs) All right, let's go to uh, Bitsy in Louisiana. Bitsy, are you there? Are we talking to Bitsy? I'm sorry, the phone cut out. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Bitsy. Okay. Um, hi, Will and Mickey. I met y'all at the Marriage Family Life Conference, and I love y'all, and everybody should go to the next one. Um, God bless you. But I teach family and consumer science, otherwise known as home ec, and mm-hmm. I give a, an anonymous survey at the beginning of my family unit every semester, and it's completely anonymous, and I ask the kids if there's anything that they could change about their family, what would it be? And every single time... I I have an overwhelming amount of students who say, number one, that they would spend more quality time with their families. Mm. You know, this is a secular public school, and these kids are begging to spend more time with their families. That may not act like it, but that's what they want. The second most common answer is they wish their parents would drink less. Wow. Wish their parents would drink less? Yeah, drink less alcohol. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. Now that is surprising. Bitsy, thank you thank so you, much. Bitsy. God bless you. Um, mm. and, and, and by the way, thank you so much, Bitsy, also for being a blessing to our family. We appreciate you. Um, listen, let me tell you something. So to Bitsy's point, um, this is a part of the information. Uh, pre the pandemic, on average, now this is self-reporting. Parents re- reported, this is prior to the pandemic. It changed a little bit after, okay? Parents reported that they spent 37 minutes a day of quality time with their kids. 37 minutes a day of quality time with their kids, five days a week. And they said it went up on the weekends to about um, two hours and 40 minutes of quality time a day on the weekend on average. So on average, you've got parents who maybe spend three to five hours, maybe three to five hours with their kids uh, on any given week. Like, Think about that. Like, think about what that looks like in a whole week, in a whole week. And so then you have to ask yourself, okay, so where's my kid spending the bulk of his or her time? So um, who has the greatest influence over my kid? Mm. Then you add not only where's my kid being educated, but then you also ask the question about media consumption. How much media is my kid consuming? Which, by the way, I have the numbers of the numbers of media consumption, the number of the hours that kids are spending at school if they're being if they're being educated outside of your home. And, and in other words, let me say this. The picture that gets painted is that parents are not engaging their kids. You think you are, but you are not. And if we're honest, if we really think about what quality time is, how can we possibly say that we are actively training and discipling our kids 37 minutes a day? 
37 minutes a day? There's no way. And then, look, guys, and, I, and I'm telling you, this is where we do, like, this is self-inventory time. Because then we say, do we tell our kids that there are things that are more important than the faith? So we're telling our kids that. We're telling our kids that there are things more important than the gospel and how we educate them. Do, they, do we tell them to let the gospel truth take a back seat to secular humanism when they're getting educated? Mm-hmm. Do they have to pretend? Just pretend that you believe we evolved. Or, or, or they're not pretending. Mm. What about that? Maybe they're not pretending. Wow. You just, just, just um, bite down and white knuckle it until you graduate. Right? So you, you are giving secular humanists largely, at least even if the teachers that are teaching it are not secular humanists, then the curricula that they have circulating is, it's written by secular humanists. And mm. it begins with the idea. It begins with the wicked notion that God either doesn't exist or if he does, he's irrelevant for education. We don't need to, we don't need to consult him. And so then we ask kids to take 13 years, just scoop down five to 18. We say, take 13 years of your life and then just fake it till you make it. And when you get out on the other side, then you can be a Christian. But just make God, make less of God while you're in school. And then when you get out, then we can kind of pick up where we've left off. And then you hope that you don't have any drop off. You hope you hope that that you don't lose any while they fake it or worse. They've been discipled because they've spent the most of their time hearing those things that are antithetical to the faith. And then let's add to that. Let's add to that. Not only are they hearing things that are antithetical to the faith and it's in a textbook, so they take it with great authority. But then when school is over. When school is over and there's an opportunity for Bible study or prayer at church, if you've got a ball game that conflicts with that, you ain't going. Mm. I ain't going to church. We got a ball game. I can't. We, we have this show. We have this pageant. We have this thing. We have what, what, what I'm saying is that our culture has swallowed up our children. And we have not even tried to stop it. Mm. And then we wonder, we wonder why they are so different. Why is the culture changing so much? Why are these kids just acting this way? Because they have finally given in to the messages that they have received from birth. And at the core of it, when we make less of God, we make more of everything else. Everything else. So the family has got to be recalibrated. There's some things we're going to, if you care about where your kid will spend eternity, that's the mm. question. You care about where your grandkid will spend eternity. They're, they're, we've got to get to the place where we notice some stuff and just test it for a season. Just test it. Just see if that makes a difference. Just see if we can kind of cut off the hemorrhaging, if we could stop the bleeding just for a season to see if we actually have some turnaround. Guys, we haven't gotten here overnight, but I'm telling you that unbeknownst to ourselves, we have aided in how we've gotten here. Yeah. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Elizabeth in Mississippi. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, how are y'all? Doing fine. Hello. I, I'm just, I wish I was there in person because we would just be having church in that little room <laughs> right there. <laughs> I, I am a, I am this, I'm starting my 28th year of teaching mm-hmm. and I teach high school students. And at one point I was their Sunday school teacher, youth minister, um, wow. and, and God bless them. They saw me five days a week. Um, but I'm telling you, just in the last couple of years, I see the drastic change, and I told somebody, they asked me, how was this year of school compared to when COVID hit? And Mm -hmm. I said, the only thing I know to say is that I feel a spirit that we are battling for these children. Mm -hmm. And I said, I I don't even know how to describe it to you, but I feel it. Um, 
it, it, it just bothers my soul. Um, and, and I just, I, I just, I don't even know how to describe it. Mm. But I, oh, I tell man. my Sunday school class, you know, I teach the young adults now that have small children. And mm-hmm. I tell them, your children are watching you. Now, I'm not yes. going to say your children are going to be perfect because mine mm-hmm. were there every time the door was open before they took their first breath. And yeah, I, they were there. <laughs> but they still made their choices, but they that's still right. have a foundation. That's right. And will, oh, and they, that's. But you've got, oh my gosh, I got kids that don't even have the foundation that are in my classroom. Come on, that is so key what you're saying, Elizabeth, because the thing is, you can't control, you can't make your kid believe. But what we want to do is we want to set them up to believe. Hmm. We want to make sure that they have the foundation, that they have all of the information. And we failed at that. We're out of time until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.